eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Loho Daily. I'm Lawrence Holmes, a.k.a. Loho. Here, once a week, we do this with Tony Gill and Rick Camp. Um, and we're honestly like I would either say at the tail end or in the middle uh, of a conversation <laughs> yeah. about choices in careers and whatnot. And Tony, you said something really interesting. And both of you, honestly, I'd, I I'd like to tell you both that maybe don't worry about like things not necessarily happening on the timetable that you expected, because, I mean, I had one of those. And it was I was I was going to be a sports center anchor by the time I was twenty seven, and then I realized I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. So I mean stuff stuff happens, and it's okay for it it to not happen the way that you thought it was going to happen. I think it's also it's kind of bridging the score generations in a way because now I obviously don't know at the time that like you got in early that now. To get to the same position, there's just either more people that that's you know sports talk radio is a bigger thing now. Yeah, obviously the, you know than it was towards the beginning days. So there's more people that want it. There's the nature of the industry where there's less positions that are available, mm-hmm. and there's there's more people that are working even just within this building. More people working here already that are deserving of opportunities. So everybody really does have to. It almost seems like there's more waiting. There's, you know, there's just many more, maybe many more obstacles isn't a fair way to put it. But you know what I mean of like there's there's additional things that stop people from getting to higher positions. Yeah, yeah, circumstances that stop people from getting certain places quicker. It's weird, though, because I feel like now there's more opportunities overall. Like for mm-hmm. for me at 22, there weren't a lot of opportunities. Like I could... I could go be a, a a guy that reads scores on BBM or back then MAQ. I mean, I remember being super jealous of Josh Liss because Josh and I are around the same age. And I was like, man, is he that much better than me? Like, how do you get that spot, man? How do you end up in that spot? But back then, there weren't a lot of outlets to do it. I mean, sports radio itself, and this is 98. So it's, it's around the country at this point. Yeah. But – there's like five jobs, and that's it. And at the time, people were getting guapped up, man. <laughs> people were making like I was laughing at the um, the feeder column this week with 
Mark Greco and Feeder speculating about Greco making a little bit less than a million dollars a year to do his job. And there used to be a place, like a, a time time and place where everyone in radio was making, like if you were the top person mm-hmm. at your place, you were making a million dollars a year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to say North was making a million and a half before he left. Like, can you imagine? No. <laughs> the, 79, no. the 79 cents in my bank account till tomorrow. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can't even fathom. It's only a few more hours. I know. A few more hours, and yeah. then you're going to be good. It's, but now there seems like because there's, um, whether it's internet stuff, there's all sorts of companies now that you can go work for. Yeah. And and back then it was like, well, you can go and and hustle and try to get yourself on ESPN, but have you ever been to Connecticut? Do you want to live there? <laughs> right. Because there's nothing there. Yeah, I guess I was just thinking within the confines of like the score, within this building to move up, there's definitely more opportunities now with I mean, shoot, podcasts in and of themselves. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of opportunities to kind of create your own yes. opportunity than, yeah. than back in the day, which I think like younger people are starting to really get into. It's like, well, if these doors aren't open, you know, initially, like I got to open my own. There was no bandwidth right. back yeah. then. You know, back then it was um, you either worked for a media company or – Maybe you work for Sports Phone, and there's a lot of people in our business that started out in Sports Phone. You don't have any idea what I'm talking about, Tony? In passing, I've heard people mention Sports Phone. So basically, Sports Phone was a you could call a number, and there would be people like doing the scores on there. So you you would pay for it with a 900 number. You you pay, and usually this is a big thing like for gamblers. So they would do stuff like it would be like a broad like think of it as like a broadcast. They would have um, – George used to do like a – was it a tip of the day or like a, a quickie quiz of the day? He'd do that. And you call up and you just wait. You just wait for the score of the game that you cared about. Like, oh, man, I wonder what the score of that Bears-Raiders game is. Cause I, I can imagine go back in time. Somebody's like, I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm listening to the scores. What? Uh, on a on on a landline, yeah. and then you hear somebody oh. react to uh, yeah. the yeah. like, the, the, like what, did somebody, what happened? The closest I ever had to that was early fantasy football. You would have to call a number to make a transaction on your roster. You would have to like pay a dollar to yep. make a transaction on your <laughs> roster. It's all very ridiculous, isn't it, Tony? <laughs> like so we ridiculous. we used to. I, I always love to talk about carts because. What we'd have to do is basically these, like, eight-track carts. We'd put, like, everything that you do for an open Mm -hmm. is on a cart. So, like, every element of the open would be on separate carts. So You would have to hit, like, play individually? Yes, the make me a bicycle clown, like, all of that stuff. You probably have that on a 10-second cart. And then we we could only get, like, up to, I think, three minutes and 30-second carts. Mm -hmm. And back then... Spiegel was the the sound guy for McNeil. Mm-hmm. And McNeil's like a crazy person when it comes to that sound because he was the sound guy for Copic. So Spiegel would be putting together these elaborate opens with a reel-to-reel and a grease pen. And we had 
you have to cut and splice, like all that stuff. You have to learn how to cut diagonally so that the sounds blend together. And then he would put it on a cart and he would hope to God that it timed out. Because the worst feeling in the world was to finish a masterpiece Mm -hmm. and then realize that it was three minutes and 31 seconds. And the cart is only three minutes and 30 seconds long. (laughs) And you're like, I got to go back in this thing (laughs) and I got to cut it up. But it was, uh, it was, I will say that there was a level of competition that I wish that I would see from you guys, not from you guys specifically, but Mm -hmm. the, the, the producers overall back then because we were all competing like i was like damn i gotta i gotta get like spiegel and i gotta i want to be a sound guy like that where he could just put all sorts of stuff down it helps that i feel like chris Tannehill kind of crushed all of that oh because he's so good in in a business driven by ego Everybody in this building concedes he's the best at his job of anybody here. And I, I think, in no disrespect to Speegs or myself or Goff, because I think Goff was really good too, it's not close. No. He's the best that's ever done it here. You know what's funny? Um, I was I was making something like the other day, this week, and I, was, I didn't know how to feel about it, and I'm like, eh. You know, and then Tanny's, you know, working on his stuff on the next computer. And I told, I already told Rick Camp this story. And I was like, Tanny, do you ever feel like, like, not, you know, 100% sure about it open? He said, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, dead face. It was the funniest thing. I mean, there, there's. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I started dying. I was like, well, yeah, of course. Why am I asking you this? <laughs> right. Like, that's the thing with, like, with Tanny is it's not just. The fact of having the DJ skills so you know just regardless of what the audio is, the quality is going to be on point. His ear is amazing. His ear is incredible. Just his just his pop culture reference. Correct. His just his role of like for me. His, yeah, his his uh his, his recall his, on yeah, everything recall is, is incredible. Like for for me, like growing up, my parents were never the most cultured in the world. They're just hard workers. So they did their thing. Lunch fail, guys. Coaches, kids. Absolutely. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. They're 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 gym rats. They used to love film. Oh, they're both slot receivers. Yeah. (laughs) Like they played for the Patriots. But uh, so like for me, it was like everything I knew growing up, and the couple shows that we watched as a family. I didn't really get to watch a whole lot by myself outside of games, and that's my that's my reference point. I got nothing else. So for him to have like everything and seeking out everything and having it all there knowing how to and then to organize it all that's mm-hmm. the other thing and and his um the fact that he has everything archived yes yeah. like that's it, his archiving to me is really impressive so the, his organization skills are something i could only dream of coming close to yeah, I just at the end of the week, uh, put all the stuff in a folder. It's fine. I'll figure it out. I'll figure yeah, it's out. like I keep I keep a daily log, <laughs> right, and yeah. it's like and well, it's I, there. It's just like yeah. you know, it's not as detailed as Chris is, and I think that's like a part of like when you recognize someone else's like genius, and you're like, oh, how can I you know copy that to kind of be similar? And it's like no, like it's in that individual. Like they're they're you're, so like I don't I don't know what to call it but it's so no but no, they're special tuned. but you're yeah, supposed yeah. to take stuff from people and you're supposed to add it to what you are like you can't be Chris Tannehill but you can go okay I dig the way that Tanny always 
archives every show. Mm -hmm. And then you can add that to your way of archiving a show or the way that he presents sound or the types of sounds that he uses. You can add all that. Mm -hmm. Like all of us are an amalgamation of the things that have come before us, like the things that we have Mm -hmm. interacted Mm -hmm. with, even the bad. Like I learned, I worked for some bad hosts like for a long time. And I learned what not to do. And sometimes you have to kind of add some of that stuff in and be like, oh, I'm, if I ever get a chance to do A, B, C, or D, I am not going to do it that way. And then when you catch yourself doing it, you're just like, damn it. <laughs> I've, d- I've done that when ho- I, you know, I've done that when hosting. And I'll listen back to something and I'll be like, oh, that's exactly what this person like I, I picked up this from this person or I picked up sure. this from this person. I'm just like, man, the filter's got to be better. But going back to your like your your competition point, I think it's I don't know how it was back then, but I think now it was doggy dog back then. I, I think now it's like everybody sees themselves doing something probably like different, you know, like people may not want to be Chris Tannehill, even though they have the quote unquote his job like part time producers. They are they're on the board and getting sound as well, but maybe they don't see themselves. As a board op or as a, as a producer, well, maybe this is a a lead to something else that they wanted want to do now. Well, you're right, and I will say that back then it there was um, there was almost a formula that if you were a really good producer, that you were probably going to get an opportunity to host. Mm-hmm. That usually it led like the most senior producers were on the air at the score on the weekend. And then they ended up like developing their own thing. And then we had a, a a a program director that just said, like, that's it. Like, no more producers are going on the air. Thinking that it's better to get people from outside the house to come and host shows than the people here. And I think in certain markets, you can't do that. Like a place like Chicago, the person that you have hosting shows has to at least be of Chicago or it doesn't come off mm-hmm. and people don't respond to it. But th- this was this PD's like whole thing. And he was like, nope. I think he said, I think, I think he said that Jason would be the last producer on the air. I think that's what, or maybe he said it right before. And I mean, it, it soured a lot of people like people that were, um, I wouldn't say my generation because I'm a little bit older, even though I'm only 44. Like, I'm probably at the back end of the second generation of score guys. But there were a lot of people like, well, if I can't, if the cookie was I wanted to get on air, then why in the world should I work as hard as a producer? And my answer is always, well, you never know. Mm-hmm. Like, you still want to be the best producer, right? So yeah. why not? Because the best producers make more money than some of the hosts. Or at least the the higher profile ones. Mm-hmm. So be the best producer, and then that can that stuff can translate to other stuff. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be you sitting in front of a microphone at the score. Mm-hmm. It could be you being a program director in Tampa, yeah. Yeah. like it happened with Rock. Be a great producer. Here's an opportunity. Now you get to be in charge of a radio station, and now there isn't it's there isn't that like formulaic stair step, which I actually think is good. Because it gives you guys an opportunity to create 
and I don't have to worry about anyone sabotaging me because they're, they're, they're trying to get the spot. Because you guys already have, you already have, like, you have podcasts. You're like, think about that. Like, mm-hmm. you guys each have something that is uniquely your own, where you can show off your skills in front of the microphone instead of behind the glass. Like that, that wasn't something that before you you really had the chance to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like the podcasting era, and I know people, like, you know, hate, like, oh, man, just so many, but. Still not oversaturated I, right. yet. Right, like, it's, it's that means there's something out there for everybody. Yeah. You know, and, and people shouldn't get, like, you know, discouraged just because the, the path that they thought, you know, was going to happen, like, it turned out to be something different. That's what I'm trying you to know? tell you, like, about, about this business, like, it's, uh. It can be confounding because you can be like, okay, I have a, a very narrow plan of what my life is going to be. You know who's great at talking about this? Mike Hall um, from Big Ten Network because mm-hmm. he really puts into perspective how much the industry has changed. He didn't know that ESPN, like ESPNU didn't exist when he was in college. Stadium Network, didn't. there was no over-the-top like internet like network. There's streaming services. There's podcasting a lot of this stuff doesn't exist so i i was saying that i don't feel like anyone can plan out their career even three years ahead now and it used to be well i have a five-year plan no you don't know what the industry is gonna look like in five years it's so funny with mike i think i was in college when dream jobs started Mm -hmm. i remember so vividly watching that and just being like, man. Locked like, up in a tight one. Yeah, because it was that, and I think Stump the Schwab came out at the same time. Tony, do you remember Dream Job? I remember Stump the Schwab. Okay, so Mike Hall was on a show on ESPN called Dream Job. It was basically a Dancing with the Stars or The Apprentice or uh, America's Got Talent for sports people. Hmm. And so that's how he got his job at ESPN. He won a contest. Similar to McKnight. McKnight mm-hmm. won it. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah, Connor. Yeah. Connor won score, won score search. search. Yeah. And then he became a reporter. So, but who would have thought? Like, and, and Big yeah. Ten Network didn't exist when he was working at ESPNU. Like, yeah. look, it, look at the, even just more recently, the athletic and the fact that the athletic right. has expanded into podcasts. Yeah. The athletic podcast network, like, I know people that have gotten jobs here and there throughout that. I mean, that's booming because they're trying to get every single team covered for every single sport. Booming, as AB would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, look, I only got a few more minutes, and I got to get out of here. I'm doing some consulting today. Um, why'd you bring the box in here, Tony? Well, um, I had a couple of topics written down. We actually went over one on the show today. Um, I had it written down. Like, is there places where journalism shouldn't go? I had written that down. I morning. actually really liked. I um, really loved that discussion. Um, it's wheelhouse for me, but I still don't know. I struggle with whether there are people who understand what our role is. And I don't know if we do a good enough job of explaining it, but people act as if, if you're doing a, a sports radio show, that it's only supposed to be hard news. You can get that. Like, you can get that at BBM. Like, they're going to give you that with sports on 15 and 45, right? Mm -hmm. You can get that. It's different in the talk show realm, but that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be elements of journalism to what what you do. Like, you should be trying to follow good practices 
and all that stuff. But when it comes to sports, and it's happening in politics too, people are like, well, if it's against my team, then it's fake. If it's against my team, then I don't want it in my life. Or you hate it. You hate yeah. that team. Right. I, I I hate that. And I hate that you're saying that about how dare you say that about the Bears. They The Bears pay your salary. Well, no, they don't. I mean, we're it's a little bit connected, but... I should be able to to talk about the Bears and I what people the biggest misconception that people in sports and I think fans sometimes have about sports journalism is you want the team to lose because that'll sell papers. I got some news for you. It doesn't. It does to a degree. Like if you Initially. have if if this Bears team started losing, there would be interest in it for a while. And then it's going to be like the Mark Tressman years. Or the John Fox years, where you go, I don't, don't I don't care. give a shit about this right. team anymore. Yeah. PTFB, people were just hitting that button. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. Like I, or you, you don't want to hear. So, our job is to to make sure that we're being honest with what right. we're doing. And for people that are beat reporters, they don't have a rooting interest one way or the other. They're there to do a job. They're there to get the news. They're there to inform you they are your conduit, the fan of the team, the listener of the station, whatever. They're your they're your access to any of these people. They're trying to provide you the information that is relevant from whatever's going on at that practice, press conference, game, what have you. If it wasn't for them, you wouldn't know near as much as you do because all you'd be relying on is the team, and the team has no real reason to give you anything. And Lawrence went over that on yeah. the NHL. You do not want to get all your news from the team. And and the truth is is that we would prefer that teams win. And I that's what I, I tell all of the athletes and coaches. Like, no, we want you to win. You want to know why we want you to win? Because when you win, people are interested in what we think about you winning. The, it's, the casual it's, fan becomes more interesting. Yes, yeah. we get more people into the tent because they care about what it is we're talking about. Where bef- you know, if you're losing, no one cares. Like ra- I, I don't. The ratings during either the Cubs World Series run or the Bears stretch run last year were astronomical. Yeah, for what for what you know for what we have as our normal bar of what you know you'd expect ratings to be, especially like. Even outside of Cubs games, I remember in that twenties in the in the World Series run, you know, our program director Mitch would be like, "Look at these numbers! Like this is for individual talk shows. This was nothing related to the game in and of itself, and it was double, sometimes triple what it normally is." Mm-hmm. So when a team's that good, we are here for it, but we're also going to give our honest opinions, and, and we that, have to, right? Because if, if you're throwing out disingenuous opinions just because you think people will like you more or something like that, then people are smart enough to be able to sniff that out. That's just not going to fly. Yeah, That's don't, why I, don't get me started on oh, I know. the lack of authenticity with oh, opinions out there. Oh, there's a lot. And it's making millions and millions and millions <laughs> and millions of dollars. All right, look, guys, I got to go. All right. Well, so, we got. I mean, it's a bunch of stuff. Like, I have stuff. We're going to talk every week. Yeah, we're yeah. going to talk every week. Yeah. I got I to go do a thing. So that's Tony and that's Campy, and they talk with me once a week here on the Loho Daily Podcast, and we hope that you enjoy today's episode, which um, was about all sorts of stuff, as it should be. Talk to you soon.